Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good, because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 828 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans 828 stories from our She Writes for Him bootcamp graduates and others the Lord brings my way. So let's get started. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the All Things Podcast. I'm going a little off script this week as I spent some time with my friend and co-worker and Redemption Press award-winning author, Carol Tetzloff, also known as Yellow Girl. I shared the stage with her at a women's retreat in Prescott Pines, Arizona, up in the woods at Prescott Pines Camp. And um, it was a glorious time of my sharing uh, my story and Carol teaching the women about worship from her new book, Ezra. And it was absolutely glorious. A few of the women that I got a chance to spend a little more time with, I just wanted you to hear their stories today. So you're gonna hear from two different women who are not Redemption Press authors, but they have amazing Romans 828 stories. So here we go. All right, so I am still here at the Prescott Pines camp at the Women's Retreat, and we have had some incredible worship tonight. And I have with me Hannah Flam, who happens to be on the worship team. And I just keep hearing all these amazing things about her story. And so I wanted to just introduce her to all of our listeners on the All Things Podcast. So Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. You bet. Much appreciated. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit about your your favorite. I mean, we've all got lots of Romans 828 stories, but what would you say is your favorite that just shows how God worked in your life to take something that you couldn't imagine he could ever bring good out of. Yeah, well, that's, let's see. It's hard to begin because I feel like I can go for a long time sharing my story, right? So condensing it into 10, 15 minutes might be a challenge for me. So (laughs) we'll go for it. But a little background on me. I grew up in a Christian household. For the most part, my parents are split, so my mom remarried, and um, that household was a Christian household. My dad, not so much, but um, 
But my, my stepdad really had a big influence on my life and was my father figure growing up. And so he, yeah, he just raised me up in, in the ways of the Lord. And I remember specifically when I was six, I just asked Jesus in, into my life, into my heart. And kind of grew up with that with that Christian lens, if you will. And so, and as I grew up, I, I started to notice about me when you start developing like attraction towards towards others and everything like that, that mine was not geared towards men. And I definitely, um, and it was geared towards women. And I lived in conflict for a little while of knowing truth and knowing like, could my sexual identity be something that was not designed by God? And I knew that and I lived in conflict with it. And it probably wasn't until high school where I basically said, you know, I, I don't know how to live, if you will, these two truths. They were true to me at the time and stuff like that. I knew the ways of the Lord and I decided to just turn my back on, on God and to pursue this life of homosexuality. And I lived that way for, for a little while, had a girlfriend for, for two years. And, you know, everything implied to like just living in that way, just not going to church, not doing anything like that, just completely abandoned my faith. And so, um, and it was my freshman year of college. So in 2014, I specifically remember Black Friday. And um, at this point, like, you know, I mentioned my, my step, my stepdad, he, we had a really rocky relationship, just I guess typical like daughter father conflict like we could fight like because we were we had that relationship you know like we were close and everything but we lived in conflict because he knew something about me that I didn't know he knew and so he had woken me up Black Friday morning my mom was still out shopping and stuff like that getting all the all the good deals but um he, yeah he woke me up and he said let's go get coffee and I'm like he knows. <laughs> he just, he, he must know. He must know something because that was really out of the ordinary for us to do. And so we're in the car, we're in the parking lot at Starbucks and he just kind of comes out of the gate with him. It's like, what's your relationship with her? And referring to the girlfriend I had at the time who was my, you know, best friend, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. so. And I like knew I was caught and I had been living a lie technically in his eyes, and my first instinct was to lie. And I was like, oh, no, she's just my um, my best friend, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, what is your relationship with her? Because, he, and he's specific, I remember him saying, God is not letting me sleep at night until I have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And, and like, and that was like the first time that I think I, I have experienced God pursue me through someone else. And so that really resonated in my heart. I didn't know at the time, but I knew it was stirring, stirring up, you know. And so, um, and then at that point, I just, I just told him the truth of like who she was and who she was in my life, and that she was indeed my girlfriend. And it was a whole weekend of, you know, this is cats out of the bag. Like he's in conflict of what he does. I'm in this moment where. I don't know what to do because I know truth, but my feelings, my emotions, what my identity was at the time was in, was in jeopardy. You know, it was, it was in conflict and I did just, I was being pulled in two different ways. And it took all weekend to come to the conclusion that, and I was given ultimatums like, 
it was a little rough with my family at the time. I think it was the best way they knew how to handle the situation at the time. Because, mm. like, you know, uh, years later, we came back to that to that night of where um, I was given ultimatums, kind of like getting kicked out, you know, and all that. And it was really difficult. And I know a lot of people go through that kind of experience as well that were that have been in mine. And so... Or it was like either, you know, you can go live with my dad and still continue this relationship or you can end the relationship and, and stay here, like finish college, like all that stuff. And so, but there was more to the story, obviously, at large. It was my faith in question. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And uh, there was a woman at our church who's just been like a, a mentor in my life ever since not knowing the situation that was going on, approaches my stepdad and just, you know, has a word from the Lord and just says, I want you to know that God does not compromise. Um, and so, and that was his pivotal moment of, all right, I'm sticking to my guns. I, because his feelings were involved too, you know? And so, yeah. and I understand that. And so, and when he told me that, I, I knew that I had a side with God against myself in that moment. And um, I ended a two-year relationship with, like, everything going right, if you will. Like, er everything's technically fine between us. Like, in my head, I had futures, plans, visions of what that would hold, and it just abruptly stopped. And so... So you said something there. You had to side against yourself. Say that again, because yeah, that I, was powerful. I, I had to side with God against myself. And I, we have to do that, I think, every day. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. what it means to take up your cross. And yeah. so with that moment, I just, you know, I knew I had to turn away from what I was doing, not fully understanding what that meant, but started with the next right thing. Because I was still in conflict. Like, I was having an, an identity crisis, if you will, you know? Because I always tell people that, like, homosexuality, like, it's not necessarily like is it a proclivity yes but is it necessarily is it the same as like addiction or like anything like that like no i i personally don't think so um not that it's not difficult to go through those things and have and have those struggles but there's something about sexuality it's like your like people make it your identity the world does and the world wants to put labels on you and your worth is found in that and so um or the world makes you think that your worth is found in that and so and we're relational creatures. Like, we want to be loved and we want to love. And, and it's just a matter of where that is directed towards in a healthy manner, you know, figuring that all out. But, yeah, it was difficult. So um, that all happened. I'm now single <laughs> and just trying to really spend time with the Lord. And just, like, and through this, like, the next couple of years, I had my... My downfalls where I was like, I don't understand how to live a life that um, where I'm, my attraction is not, you know, it's technically not, it's not what God intended. And I struggled with the like, okay, God, like, why am I like this? Yet you don't approve. And yet I am just like, I was going through it. It's, it's my identity crisis when I was looking yeah. back on it, you know? And so, and I eventually got to the point where, you know, I was back and forth with like, I left, I did stupid things, now I came back and like, and I got to the point where I was just emotionally and spiritually and mentally done. It took a couple of years after that, that Black Friday weekend to really, and God just kind of let me like, 
go down to my low, you know? And he's like, all right, are you done yet? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. He's just kind of waiting for me to just, you know, stop talking for a second. And I started coming back to my college group. And there was one night where I specifically remember we were finishing up Ruth. And I don't remember the context behind it, but I know I was in Ruth. And then I remember our college pastor at the time, he specifically uh, told us at the end of the lesson, he's like, I want you guys to take a moment to yourselves, go find a spot in the room and pray for your future spouse. And I was like, okay, that was funny. Okay, so I, I, I remember praying and it was just like a simple, like in my eyes, I'm like, okay, God, well, you know how I am. And it was that moment in time where I realized I had not surrendered my relational area. Like I already accepted this about myself. Like this is who I am. And because I had got to the point, like to backtrack a little bit, a part of my like just absolutely crumbling. I was like, you know what? I kind of, I got to the point where I understood. And I always say this, like when Jesus is everything, you'll give him anything, mm. you know? And so I, I was at the point where I was really content being single. I was like, all right, like there's a gift in singleness too. Like, and I need, people need to recognize that. And like, you know, anything, anything else is just a bonus. So yeah, I was really content and just, you know, once again, doing the next right thing. I wanted to please the one that I serve. And so, yeah, I, I was in my corner of the room praying that prayer of God, like, you know how I am, but I give this over to you and you do what you will. Like I already in my heart, like know that I am going to abstain from anything that is not of you. Mm-hmm. And so, and saying that prayer, not realizing what was coming next. So the next Sunday, instead of our college group, um, we ended up going to one of the other members of our group, his name's Tyler. Yeah, he was in a band and we he had his first show um, involving his band and we decided to go and support. And we were all like friends, really good friends and part of the same circle. And so, and at this point, this guy, Tyler's like nothing more than just a friend. And I remember watching him play at his first show. And in the back of my head, there was like this voice that was very audible and not my own, you know, and it said, that is the man you're going to marry. Mm. And I was like, well, um. and I knew that wasn't a me because I wanted to like run and hightail it out of there, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not sure what to do with this information, but... <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll put that, you know, put a pin in it, visit it later. And so uh, a couple of days later, we would always hang out at Dutch Rose, my crew and I involving Tyler. We would always hang out, you know, spend our weeknights just talking and just gathering and stuff. And so um, there was one night where he just randomly pulled me away and he's like, I need to talk to you. And he said, I need to tell you how I feel. And that he has been praying over me for the past six months and he doesn't know what's different about me. And I was like, oh, well, this might be a good opportunity for me to tell you something. (laughs) And so, and I told him about my experience at the show and it was just really cool to look back and see how God was just orchestrating everything behind the scenes while, you know, six months ago, for the past six months, Tyler's praying over me while I'm still like having my identity crisis over here, you know, and I just, God, just knowing that I would come around like in, you know, his all knowingness, you know, and so I just, I just saw his provision 
before I even knew that that was an option, you know? And so um, that was a really cool thing to always reflect on and, and just ponder, you know, and especially just talking about it. I don't talk about it like too often or when I do, it's just in a big group setting and just you and I, I'm just like, oh, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we spent the next couple nights just, I, I told them everything about me and just what my experience was because I was like, this is my baggage that I come with. You can either have it now. I don't want you to know about this stuff later on, but either take it or leave it, <laughs> you know? And so, right. yeah, we just spent the next couple days just talking and um, it was just really weird um, in that moment or in that time, God just gave me eyes for him, mm-hmm. you know? And I, in my personal experience, like have never felt that attraction towards a, a male figure at, at all. And so that was new for me as well. And just cool how, what surrender can do, yeah. you know? And um, that was like a miracle for my personal sake in that sense that God can definitely do anything in that. And so, yeah, and we knew that we were going to start dating to be married. And so it we already knew him for the past 10 years or so, wow. you know? And so it took six months of dating before he popped the question and six months later to be married. And it's been four years later. So yeah, it's been super cool. And it's just interesting uh, being living in a world that really pushes labels and has a huge emphasis on sexual identity. And I just try to take a different approach from my experience that to let people know who are in that position. Because uh, I know sometimes like, Big C church as a whole can sometimes, it's just not sometimes a good experience, you know, for the people in in that community and everything. And I think there's just a lack of understanding on both ends, just from being in both, in both camps, you know? Right. And so I just let them know that you are worth more than what this world wants to label you. You're worth more than your, your identity, your sexual identity. Like there's more to you than just who you're attracted to. And I want you to know that someone who found you worthy, uh, you were worth the price that Jesus paid, you know, because not because of your sexual identity, but because you're his creation, you know, right. and that's like such a much more beautiful story than, um, I don't know, like, oh, God says, I can't like this person. So I'm just not going to like even give him the time of day. It's like, no, there's like a lot more to the story than that. That's just a little piece of the puzzle where. Let's let's gather understanding of what that means, mm. you know. And so, yeah, that's like my story in a nutshell and a lot of details in between and a lot of heartache, a lot of refining, you know, and all that. So, wow. Yeah. And that's but it's just God working all things together. I mean, how he worked all things together for good. Who would you wouldn't have guessed that he would have worked it out that way because you were to the point where I'm good with you. You you're my husband. I'm surrendered being single. I mean, you got to that place. I did. And um, that's where I I think Carol was talking about our like, like little pity thrones that we, we throw up, you know, and it's just like, well, looking back on it, I can see how much my emotions definitely and like my whole being was just part of that. Like I was definitely I was, I mean, I'm still young, but younger, you know, and still figuring out life going into adulthood and like, uh, just that seemed like the biggest chaos ever you know and that biggest roller coaster and I can look back and be like yeah that was a pretty big roller coaster but we made it out okay you know and yeah 
And it's just sometimes I think people think that's like a very touchy subject, like, you know, talking about it for some reason, like I think the church puts a weird um, um they don't like to talk about it. They don't like to talk about homosexuality. And I'm like, right. it's definitely like part of the umbrella of sin. Like, let's address it. But like, let's be bold about it, you know, and you have no problem pointing out the drunkard. You have no problem pointing out, you know, the infidelity. Like, you just have no problem pointing out any of that. Like, but like. We can point it out in in love. Yeah. And we can point it out with the emphasis of, of what we're all about. Yeah. You know, and so, and because there's definitely a way to approach it. And you don't have to, like, not touch it, especially in a world that is definitely pushing it. Yeah. So. I mean, we need to be willing to be uncomfortable and, yeah. and talk about that's a hard conversation to have, but it's it's worth having. Yeah, and I tell you, even in my experience of what I've gone through and experiencing that specific, like, situation of, of you know, whatever, but I still, it's still kind of unnerving to talk to people about it because it's such, people have such strong opinions. It's emotionally you know? charged. It's a very emotionally charged subject, yeah. um, but it's just great. I, I do, I can't pull the card and be like, well, you can't say I don't know, like what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I, but the thing is, is like, you don't have to have experienced what I've experienced to be right. able to like, just uh, love someone in, in yeah. that community or love someone going through that struggle and just knowing them that their worth is more, because I promise you it's from an identity crisis. Yeah. You know? And so, and it's just, everything becomes secondary, you know, when, when Christ is first. And so my lens has gone from, you know, not visualizing Jesus through my sexual identity, if that makes sense. Rather, it's I am viewing who I am through Christ, mm. you know. And so, and, and when you look at it that way, like nothing matters at that point. You know, no matter where you come from, what camp you're part of, like, it just doesn't matter anymore. I love that. Well, thank you so much for, in fact, I would love for you to just take a moment and pray for those who are listening, who maybe love someone who's struggling or who, you know, is in the middle of that identity crisis, Mm -hmm. or maybe they've even struggled themselves and have a lot of shame in that area. So I would love to have you pray for them. Oh, Jesus, um, we love you, Lord. You are good, so good. Lord, I pray for uh, anyone that either has experienced home, like the same-sex attractive uh, attractiveness, uh, Lord, or um, just been where I have been, or Lord, know someone who has been where I, I have been. Um, Lord, would you just, you have given us a spirit of boldness mm-hmm. to go forward and to just share the gospel. Lord, there is power in the gospel. And Lord, we are just the messenger. Lord, I thank you that you are sufficient. Mm -hmm. And Lord, that you love us so much. And Lord, we are called to love others as well. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on the All Things Podcast. It has been delightful. Carol's been telling me about you for uh, at least a year and a half. And so it's exciting to just get to hear your story. Cool. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You bet. All right. I am here with Janelle Newman here at the Retreat Center in Prescott Pines Camp. And it is the Retreat Center here where we're having a women's retreat. And I met Janelle 
when I came to Arizona for Carol's book launch and have just heard so much about her story and her Romans 828 story that I wanted to take a minute and snag her while I was here in Arizona and introduce her to my All Things podcast listener audience. So first of all, Janelle, welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you on. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I just keep hearing about this amazing adoption story that you have experienced God working hard things together for good. And would just love to hear that story and what that looked like in your life. Well, it's a story that God wrote over the course of about 13 years. So every little girl has a story about what their family will look like as they're growing up. And when I met my now husband, we had the conversation that all young starstruck couples have. Well, how many kids do you want to have? And, you know, as if we had any control at all. And, you know, we said we wanted to have two boys and two girls, and this is how it was going to work out. And so I never gave another thought to how our story would play out. But we have had a family built by God's hand. It's not something we could have done ourselves or even really planned for. You know, we lost a baby before our oldest was born. And then we had our oldest. And then we lost two more, uh, tragically, and in ways that almost cost me my life. And so we'd given up and said, you know what, Lord, we're done. We'll take one kid. We'll get a puppy. We'll call it good. Well, then came our, our little Avalyn. And we were just amazed at what God could do. And then surprise of all surprises, three years later, our next little guy comes along and we just thought, you know, Lord, you're just not done with us. And so we just kind of relinquished it into his hand, still hoping for that number four. And then lo and behold, three years later, we find out we're expecting number four. And in a horrible turn of events, number four, we miscarried that sweet baby. It was the hardest of all the miscarriages because it took away any other ability. But I knew God wasn't done with our story. And so there were lots of treatments to take care of what was happening to my body at that time. And I remember sitting on the couch of Carol, of all people, weeping and telling her, I do not want God to waste my tears. He must be doing something beautiful here. Mm. And so at the same time, a dear friend of ours that, that we know from church, her daughter used to nanny and babysit for our kids. And she got tangled up in some bad life choices and ended up on the streets. And at the same time we were losing our baby, she comes out and tells us that she's expecting a baby, but she's on the streets, she's homeless, there's addiction there. And we didn't think anything of it. Our prayer was that she would have this baby and God would use that baby to turn her life around and we never thought about it again. And so we went through the year of grief that you go through, you know, you get through, you know, where you would have been in your pregnancy, all of that, asking God to make it beautiful. And on January, I want to say like, it was actually maybe end of February, her auntie, Emily, the, the mama, her auntie came into my office where I was sitting at church and the due date of our baby was quickly approaching. Our baby would have been born on February 7th and on February 4th, her auntie comes into my office and sits down and says, Emily had her baby. And I eagerly said, what, what is his name? We had told, been told he was a boy. 
And I'm going to pause right there because when we lost the baby, our, ch- our own children, our biological, biological children struggled with that. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand why God would do this. My daughter, who is now seven, had been begging the Lord for a sister ever since her little brother was born. God, give me a sister. God, give me a mm-hmm. sister. Please, Lord, give me a sister. So when, when Beth came into my office and said, you know, she's had her baby and we thought he was a boy, I said, what's his name? And she said, no, Janelle, it's not a boy, it's a girl. And her name is Mia. And there are times in your life where you can audibly hear God, maybe one other time. But like God was sitting in the chair next to me, I heard him say, this is your daughter. Three days before our baby would have been born. And we have no foster license. We have no idea what to do with adoption. But I looked at Beth and I said, we want her. We've always wanted her. Mm. What do we do? And she said, I don't know. So I drove home where my husband was with our kids and I pulled them into our bedroom. And I said, the baby was born and it's a girl and she's ours. And my husband looked at me and said, I know. And so we started the process. What does this look like? You know, she was in the neonatal intensive care unit. She was born addicted meth and heroin in her blood system. And we couldn't see her because birth mom had only said one person could go in. So we had to wait for her to come home. She was released from the hospital with her auntie. And the first time I went over to see her, she was placed in my arms and I knew Like I knew when God told me, but I really knew. Mm -hmm. And so we started working with her to spend time with her. And then COVID hit like two weeks later and God used COVID to clear every mountain out of the way for this baby to come into our home. We, like I said, we are not foster licensed. We have no nothing. And so we called and said, we want to be kinship placement. Now, kinship is reserved for families, uh, blood family. We are not blood family, but because of the relationship that God had built with this family over the course of the years, and because COVID was ramping up and they needed a placement, they called us kinship. And we were able to go quickly through an emergency certification process so that we could keep her on the weekends. And then we were licensed in six weeks. It's usually a 18 week process. And in six weeks we were licensed and she was placed permanently in our care in May. Mm. At that point, the schools were locked down. So my husband, our kids, we were home together as a family for 10 months. I mean, we were just home together as God is working out this miracle story. Because we have this little girl in our home and we know we could lose her at at any minute, you know, because we're not, you know, Her mama could choose services. Her daddy at that point was in jail. He could get out. And so we make our way through the summer and God is just moving mountains. Someone came forward and wanted her and the department said no because she was already with kinship. But that title, God gave us that Mm. title. That title was given to us because we shouldn't have been called that. But God made a way. And, you know, as the story continues, our adoption was final uh, just a few short months ago. We renamed her Miriam Faith um, Mm -hmm. because it means prayed for and beloved. And faith is a journey that got us to this sweet little girl. And, you know, her dad tried to get services to to get her back. And again, God just cleared paths. Mm. Um, He ended up getting out of, of, of jail and seeking to 
to get her back and he went to a party and decided to get high again and he overdosed beyond what his body could handle and he died and we wrestled with that you know god what what are you doing here this was her daddy how do we and then a week later we got a box from the jail of all the letters he had written to, to her saying how much he loved her and God gave us redemption in that. And that when she asks about her daddy, because she will ask, we can say, oh, he loved you so much. Mm. Look what he gave. And even even in her mama, you know, she we see her family, not her birth mom, but we see her grandmas and grandpas. And um, God is still writing that story. But he took something so heartbreaking and he made it more beautiful than we could ever begin to imagine. Mm. Well, and you know, when you think about it, you take the, your loss and then you take the mom's addiction and then you take COVID three, just traumatic, painful things that God worked good out of. Beautifully good. Yes. Wow. Yes. And even in all of that, my husband was home. So the whole idea of bonding with, with this baby, we were a family unit of six for 10 whole months wow. when our own children were born he barely got 10 days with us before he had to go back to work 10 months that we could be a family and and bring this baby in and you know help our kids through the transition of what it looks like and i mean god did things that we couldn't even can't even imagine and and honestly when i look at this story it is a story that only god can write mm. i love that and just the whole 10 months, having that 10 months, I would guess with an infant that was addicted coming out of the womb, that having that extra bonding had to be something that would really redeem that, you know, what, what was done to her right. with those drugs that, you know, she had no control over that. And for God to take that, you know, have it all happen at that exact time where you could spend that time with her, all of you. Yeah. That just blows my mind. And one of the things that even, you know, again, a God size, a God size dream is I was afraid she, she was exposed all her whole pregnancy to meth and heroin. There should have been major health issues there. And, you know, she's 19 months old now. And the doctor, our pediatrician calls her his favorite little miracle because there is nothing that he can find. She mm. is perfectly healthy, doing all the things she should be doing. And only God can do that. Only God can heal that body and bring about the things that she needed perfectly without, without. I mean, it's a God-sized story. He really made it beautiful. Mm. His hand is on this little one's life and I don't know what he will do with her, but I am sure it will be great. Wow. I would love to have you close out our time together by praying for whoever is listening that maybe is struggling with believing that God can work that kind of miracle for a child. Yeah, I would love to. Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for this time, Lord. You are truly a God who works miracles, Lord. And when everything seems impossible, Lord, that's where you make a way. God, and I just pray, Lord, if there are people out there struggling, Lord, whether it be with fertility or loss or adoption or 
drug-exposed kiddos they're trying to um, figure out how to care for, Lord. I just give them a God-sized miracle in that story, Lord, one where all the glory can go to you. God, and I pray that they would find hope in who you are, Lord, and hope in that you are a Romans 8, 28 God who works all things for good. Lord, and I know that if a story isn't beautiful, God, it isn't finished yet because you are the author of, of good and beautiful things. So Lord, we thank you um, for your goodness, Lord, and your mercy. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>